revival. So leading up to the revival, the next three Wednesday nights, we're going we're gonna to talk to you about a new, um, be preaching on a new Bible hero, Bible character. One of my favorite Old Testament characters is a, a prophet of God by the name of Elijah. I love Elijah. What a man of God he was. We need some Elijahs in the world today, in the church today. Amen. So we're going to talk about Elijah for the next few weeks and his ministry for the next three Wednesday nights, and that will take us up to revival. We're preparing for what God has for us in revival um, here at Abundant Life Family Church. So if you're there in 1 Kings chapter number 17, I'm going to read uh, a few verses of Scripture from there, and then um, we're going to be going to uh, the very last book, the very last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And I'm going to read a verse or two there from Malachi chapter 4, okay? 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. The word of the Lord came to him. It's interesting as you study the life of Elijah how many times it's mentioned that the word of the Lord came to him. And every time the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah was quick to obey the Lord and follow the leading of the Lord and do what God spoke to him to do. The word of the Lord came to him saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kirith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I've preached on that thought before, that the ravens would not have fed Elijah anywhere else except there. He had to be there where the Lord spoke to him to be. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Kirith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Elijah the Tishbite. Amen. Then in Malachi chapter number 4, Malachi chapter number 4, and the very, very last chapter of the Old Testament, verse number 5, Malachi chapter 4, and verse number 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Elijah, and I know you all here are familiar with this prophet of God, but this man of God, but Elijah was without a doubt one of the most powerful prophets of God in the Bible. He came on the scene here in Israel at a time when there was a great need for revival. Anytime you're thinking about revival or preaching about revival or talking about revival, 
Elijah has to be included in that because he was a great prophet of revival in Israel in the Old Testament. It's amazing the, the Old Testament heroes that we've been studying, uh, especially the last, the last one, Hezekiah and now Elijah, were men of God that God raised up in a time of apostasy, in a time of spiritual decline, in a time of spiritual um, darkness. And the back when the people of God were backslidden and were away from the Lord, God raised these individuals up to turn them back around and bring them back to the Lord. We need such an individual. We need such people today in this last day in which we're living in. But there was a great need of a revival in Israel at this time. The people of God had drifted far from the Lord under the rule of Ahab and Jezebel. And Baal worship had become pretty much the, the order of the day throughout all of Israel. Jezebel had come in and introduced the worship of the false god Baal in Israel and it had caught on. The people had turned away from the Lord and had begun to worship Baal and it had become quite widespread. The true worship of God had been all, for, for the most part, totally forsaken. It was a dark time for the people of God and it was a dark time in the nation of Israel. There was a need at this time. There was a need for a man of God, somebody that would step up to the plate and come on the scene and turn the situation around. Sometimes we think we look at the condition of the world and we look at the condition of our nation and we think, my, you know, it's, it's, is, it, is it past help? Can, can anything be done? Well, I, I can tell you right now, that it's never past help and never past hope. As long as there's some praying people that will pray and believe God, God can raise somebody up to change the situation. I believe that with all my heart. And so Elijah is raised up by God. We don't know where he come from. I mean, the name Elijah means Jehovah is God. And that was the message that he proclaimed. In a, in a time when they were worshiping Baal, he comes on the scene saying, No, he's, Baal's not God. Jehovah is God. His very name declared that fact that Jehovah is God. There's no God like Jehovah. Can I get an amen? But God raised up this man, and Elijah just kind of came out of nowhere. He appears on the scene like a thunderbolt from the skies, and his entrance in this biblical record is bold and it's dramatic. He suddenly appears on the scene, standing before the wicked king Ahab, and begins to talk to Ahab about the weather. Amen. He begins to tell him that there's not going to be any, any rain until, until he says that there's going to be rain again. Amen. And I, I can tell you something about Elijah's weather prediction that it was more accurate than a lot of our weathermen today. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But the thing is, we see that Elijah was a prophet of confrontation. 
He was not afraid to stand before the wicked king Ahab and confront him and let him know and let Jezebel know and let the people know that they were not where they needed to be with God, that they had forsaken the Lord. And so he was. That's one thing we notice about Elijah is that he was a prophet of confrontation. So many preachers today don't like, I don't particularly like confrontation either, but I found out one thing. If you're going to stand for what is right and you're going to stand for the Word of God, there is going to be some confrontation because the enemy is going to see to it that he stands up to confront what is of the Lord. Amen? So we, we have to understand that. If we're going to stand for what is right, there will be a times of confrontation. But Elijah said to Ahab that a severe drought, because of their sin, because of their backslidings, because they had forsaken the Lord, that a severe drought was coming to the land. The natural conditions were going to match the spiritual conditions. There was already a spiritual drought in the land. The worship of God had dried up. The Spirit of the Lord was not present because they had turned away from God. But now the natural condition is going to match the spiritual condition. And Elijah said there would be no rain, there would be no dew, there would be no moisture, there would be nothing of that sort until he said so. Just the burning, searing, wilting sun day after day until Elijah prayed and called a halt to it. And I'll tell you, the message that he delivered to Ahab did not go over very well with Ahab. As a matter of fact, Elijah had to run for his life. But you know what? God, I found out something. If you'll stand for God, God always knows how to find a place to hide you from all the attacks of the enemy. Amen? He wasn't afraid to go before Ahab with the word from God and confront him. But I'll tell you what, there was nothing that Ahab or Jezebel could do to harm this prophet of God. God had a place picked out for him down at the brook Kirith, and he told him, you go down there, you drink of the water of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to come and bring you food every morning and every evening. Hallelujah. They'll bring you some meat and some bread every morning and some meat and some bread every evening and you can drink of the brook and where I've got you Ahab is not going to be able to find you. Oh come on. Amen. Oh I want to tell you something God, the God of Elijah is the God that I serve tonight and he knows how to hide his people and he knows how to provide for his people and he knows how to guide his people. He knows how to bless his people we should never be afraid to stand up for what is right or to stand up for what is godly because God if we do and we honor God God is going to take care of his people he always has and he always will can you give him a big amen tonight hallelujah hallelujah so God sends Elijah to the brook and he's there and He's taking care of him, but uh, we want to. We, we may get to that at a later time. But what I want to deal with a little bit tonight is the person of Elijah himself and why God called this man. 
Why did God use him? Why did God put his anointing upon Elijah and use him? What kind, what kind of a man was it that God raised up and used in this dark time in Israel's history? Well, listen, God didn't use him because it wasn't because, um, uh, because that he had an impressive degree that he had earned at some famous seminary. It wasn't because they called him Dr. Elijah the prophet. Come on, somebody. It wasn't because that he was Elijah the prophet, uh, D-D-T-H-D, on the end of his name, you know. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't because he had been to some famous seminary and got his degree. God didn't use him because, uh, because that he was a pastor of a large mega church. It wasn't because that he was the head of some important ministerial counsel in the land. All of these things and those things are very important it seems like to people today. The degrees and the and the and all of that type of thing and how large their church is or how many people that they have going there or how many campuses they have. You're really important if you've got more than one campus. I guess we're not so important. Amen. But, but, but the fact of the matter is, it wasn't anything like that that caused God to use Elijah. But God, God sent Elijah to, to Ahab because Elijah was a man that was studied up, a man that was prayed up, a man that was cleaned up, a man that was stirred up, a man that was fired up. Amen. There was something about this man of God. He was a common man. He was an ordinary man, but he had the anointing of God upon his life. And that's what God is looking for today is just men and women that will sell out to the Lord, that will live for the Lord, and that will let God's Spirit work and flow in their lives. Amen? Just common, ordinary folks like you and I are here tonight that are saved and are washed in the blood and are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God can do something with an individual like that. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. So Elijah had all the important qualifications that God was looking for in a man of God. And that is what we need today. Desperately, in this hour in which we live, are individuals just like Elijah. You don't have to be a prophet necessarily or a preacher or a pastor or an evangelist to be an Elijah of God. God is looking for some men and women because in Christ there's neither male nor female nor bond or free. Amen. Jew nor Gentile. In Christ we are all one in Him. He's just looking for somebody that will yield their themselves to him and let him use them in these last days looking for somebody that will sell out to him now here was a man Elijah was a man I believe he was a man that was studied up he was studied up he was a he was a man that knew the word of God 
He knew the Scriptures. He was familiar with what the Lord said in the Word of God. The Pentateuch, those five books of, of, uh, those five books of Moses. He was familiar with the Scriptures, with the Torah. He had studied up. And um, his message to Ahab, when he came to Ahab, as we read to you, his message to Ahab was there won't be any dew or rain these years. And, uh, but th- there's something about that message. And that is that that message was rooted and grounded in the Bible. Did you know that? Did you realize that the message he's given to Ahab was a message right directly from the Word of God? And somebody said, well, well where, where, where's that found? Well, in the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy, God had said there and had written through Moses that if Israel, if you know, he had told them all the blessings that would come on them if they obeyed the Lord and followed the Lord. But he said if they turned away from God and they served other gods in Deuteronomy 11, In verses 16, 17, he said, If you turn away from the Lord and you go after other gods and worship them, then the Lord's wrath will be kindled against you. And listen, and he will shut up the heavens and there shall be no rain. That was what the Lord had said would happen to them, that the heavens, if they turned away from him and didn't serve him, he'd he'd close off the heavens and there would be no rain. In Deuteronomy 28, he said the same thing. You know, in Deuteronomy 28, the first... Verse 14 verses um, include the blessing and talk about the blessing that will come upon those who are obedient. But then starting with verse 15 all the way through to the ending of that 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, he said that if you disobey, if you will not hearken, if you will not obey me, then all these curses shall come upon you. We've talked about that before, how that the Lord said, I've set before you a blessing and a curse. He said a blessing if you will obey, a curse if you don't obey. I preached on it here a few weeks ago, you know. I set, God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Then he told us what to choose. He said, choose life. Choose the blessing. Choose that. Amen. So the choice is up to you, and the choice is up to me. But the Lord had told them, if you, if, you, if you follow me and if you obey me, all these blessings will come upon you. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. I'll bless your basket. I'll bless your storehouse. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed going out. Hallelujah, I'll make you the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not beneath. Isn't that what the Lord said? Amen. I believe that goes for us. Well, somebody said, well, that was, that was the book of Deuteronomy. That was under the old covenant. Let me tell you what. All of those blessings that were, that were there in Deuteronomy came upon Jesus Christ because Jesus was the only one to ever fulfill and totally obey every word of that Torah and that law. Amen. And those blessings came on him. And when I came into Christ, I am now blessed with all all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. As my faith is in Him, as I live in Him, and as you live in Him, and you walk in Him, His blessing will come on you and overtake you. You don't have to go hunting the blessing if you're in Jesus. The blessing is already yours. It'll come looking for you. Amen. Well, I didn't intend to get in all that, but that's pretty good preaching anyway. 
But all those blessings were listen, listed in Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses. But then, as I said, beginning with verse 15, he began to tell these curses will come upon you. I always, you know, somebody said, well, what's good about the curse? Well, nothing's good about the curse other than the fact that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. So when you read those curses in Deuteronomy, if you're in Jesus, if you're covered by the blood, just know one thing, that in Him, He has redeemed you from the curse. Somebody said, well, Brother Rick, I need special prayer because I may be under some generational curse today. Well, can I tell you, if you're in Jesus, if you're in Christ, all those generational curses, it doesn't matter what your ancestors did. It When you came to Jesus, it all all stop there because Jesus has redeemed us from the curse through his blood shed at Calvary. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Well, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm not going to get off this point here, am I? But in Deuteronomy 28, that's where we're at. The curses. One of the curses included there, if they disobeyed the Lord in verse 15 and 24, and verse 24, he said that the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder and dust. In other words, things are going to get pretty dry. They're going to dry up if you don't follow the Lord. That was the that was the. Uh, commandment of the Lord. Follow me or I'll shut off the rain. So basically, that is what Elijah was saying to Ahab. You all have forsaken God. You've turned away from the Lord. And now he's going to shut off the rain. There's not going to be any showers. There's no showers of blessing. And there's not going to be any rain showers until I say so. So what I'm the point I'm making is that he was speaking to Ahab, the Word of God. That is what a true prophet will always do. A true man of God, a true woman of God, a true prophet of God speaks and lives as the Word of God decrees, not as the world dictates. Are you listening to me today? Amen. We've got too many people. We've got too many preachers. We've got too many prophets, so-called, that are being dictated by the world. But the true man and woman of God will not be controlled by the world, but they will live and preach and declare what the Word of the Lord has to say. Amen. Elijah was studied up. He knew the Scriptures. He was a man of the Word of God. And it's impossible, it's impossible to be a man of God if you're not a man of, or woman of the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Those just go together. I mean, you can't have one without the other. And so Elijah comes and he speaks a message from the Word of God and he speaks a message of authority, with authority from the Lord. Any message that is based on the Word of God will be a, an authoritative message and it will also be, when you're preaching and teaching the Word of God, it will be authoritative but it will also be a message that is filled with strong conviction. Are you listening to me? 
It'll be a message that is filled with strong conviction. There are so many today who claim to be uh, ministers of the gospel but who know very little about the Word of God and spend very little time studying the Word of God. They're more concerned about entertaining the people or making folks feel good than they are about studying the Word. I believe we need to get back to the mandate that Paul gave to Timothy when he told that young preacher Timothy, he said, Timothy, study to show thyself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then he went on to tell Timothy, Timothy, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word, hallelujah, be instant, be ready in season and out of season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for he said to Timothy for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and will turn away their ear from the truth and be turned unto fables ladies and gentlemen can I tell you something that we're living in that very day that the apostle Paul spoke of some 2,000 years ago it's here in 2019 they're not enduring sound doctrine they want their ears tickled they want to hear a feel good message but can I tell you something tonight amen God has still got some men of God and some women of God and some churches of God that are standing on the word of God and declaring what thou saith the Lord some Elijah's in the land that are authoritative with what God's word says and we're not going to back down come on somebody Woo! He was studied up. He knew the Word of God. I told you here a while back, I told the folks on Sunday, we're doing some plowing on Wednesday nights. And that's all right. Getting that ground ready for seed, for revival, and for rain. Come on, somebody. Elijah was studied up, but you know what else? What else about Elijah was that he was, he was a man that was prayed up. <laughs> Oh, God, help us tonight. He was prayed up. James chapter 5 talks about this great prophet of God. And James, in, in James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elias or Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. Notice that. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Verse 18 says, And he prayed again. Hallelujah. And when he prayed that, that other, when he prayed again the second time, it says that the heaven gave rain... And the earth brought forth her fruit. Amen. I love that verse. That the that the it says that the effectual fervent prayer. We all know that verse. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails 
much. It avails much. The New Living Translation says it this way. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Oh, hallelujah. The Amplified says it like this. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. Now, I like that. Because that's telling us what this effectual prayer is. The, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in his working. Oh, man, I'm telling you, that, that gets me excited thinking about the power that is, in, that is in the prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman. Come on. There's something, there's something here about Elijah's praying that we need to grasp and get a hold of. And that is that, first of all, Elijah prayed fervently. It said that his prayer was a fervent prayer. It said that his prayer, which means was an earnest prayer. It was a sincere prayer. But he not only prayed fervently, but also he prayed frequently because it said that he it was a heartfelt, continued prayer. And verse 18 said that he prayed again. Thank God for folks that will pray again. Thank God for people that will go back to the prayer closet the second time time that'll get on their knees again that'll pray the second time or the third time or the fourth time and won't quit and won't give up until God moves and the answer comes come on amen it's a fervent earnest fervent continued prayer of a righteous man we see Elijah praying and shutting up the heavens we see him and we may talk about it next week we see him on Mount Carmel praying just a short 63-word prayer on Mount Carmel and prays fire down from heaven. Then he gets up on the mountain and he begins to pray and he prays for rain after three and a half years of drought. And there he prays seven times and he, he prays until, until there's a, a sign of a cloud just the size of a man's hand. Come on somebody, amen. He kept, he kept sending that servant out again. He said, is there any sign of rain? And he said, "Not nope, don't see nothing. He said, go again, go again, seven times. He sent him out there. He prayed fervently. He prayed frequently. He prayed continuously. He prayed again and again and again. He wouldn't give up and he wouldn't stop till God moved in his behalf. Oh, give us some churches today. Give us some folks today that will be prayer warriors. Amen. That will pray until we see God move. Until we see the answer come. I wonder how many times we give up. How many of us give up so easily and so quickly before God answers? We don't give Him the chance. We pray a time or two and, and then we'll say, well, we didn't get it that time and I guess it just must not be the will of the Lord. And I'm telling you what, God's looking for some, some folks today that will keep on keeping on, that will not stop until they see God move in their lives. Oh, we've been, we've been fed that 
little bill of goods, you know, that says you only pray once and then you leave it alone. Well, I think, I think, I think Elijah, I think he bunk, debunked that theory. Come on, amen? It was the heartfelt continued prayer of Elijah, of a righteous man that availed much in the eyes of God. He was prayed up. Elijah was prayed up. How many of y'all are prayed up tonight? How many of y'all are prayed through tonight and prayed up tonight? Amen. Have touched the hem of the garment of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, God much uses saints that are prayed up. And as a matter of fact, those are the ones that He does use. Of those that have spent some time in the prayer closet, in the secret place of prayer with God. Don't just pray when you come to church, but have some time at home every day where you get, as Jesus said, get in that closet by yourself and shut the door and pray to your Father in secret. And when you pray to your Father in secret, He will reward you openly. Isn't that what He said? Hallelujah. I remember when I got saved, you know, <laughs> I first got saved as a teenage boy and I read that verse of Scripture and I thought, I thought that it meant really get in the closet. Really get in the closet. So I got in the closet. I pushed some of the clothes back. I got in the closet, shut the door. I was, I was, I was sitting in there on top of a bunch of shoes and everything else. But I was in the closet. Amen. Well, he didn't necessarily mean get in a literal closet. But he was talking about a secret place to get alone. Whether it's your bedroom or an office room or a bathroom or wherever you can get and shut the door where there's nobody there but you and the Father and talk to the Lord. Come on. Talk to the Lord. Commune with the Lord. Get prayed up and full of the power of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. I think I'm, I think I'm hitting some pay dirt here. <laughs> he prayed. He prayed according to God's Word. He was asking God to do what God had already promised to do. If the people went after idolatry, when he prayed, he was praying at the direction of God to close up the heavens. When he prayed at the end of that drought, after, after he had that confrontation with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and he prayed the fire down, and they, the, the people of God turned back to the Lord, he went back up on the mountain and prayed for rain. He did that at the, at the direction of the Lord. He was praying spirit-led prayer that was in line with the promise and the word and the will of God. Are you listening to me? Our prayer has to be, our prayers have to be according to the will of God. Our prayers have to be made in line with the Word of God. Our prayers must be directed and led by the Spirit of God. There's nothing more powerful in the world today than a, than a, than a man or a woman full of the Holy Ghost that's praying prayers that are inspired and led by the Spirit of God and backed up by the promises of God. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah to the Lamb forever. God cannot and will not turn a deaf ear to that kind of praying. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me here at Abundant Life Ch Church tonight. We serve a God who is almighty. His name is El Shaddai. 
die. He is the almighty God. He is the all-powerful God. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that is in them and there is nothing that is too hard for our God and there's nothing that he cannot do and he's just waiting for you and waiting for me to pray. Would somebody pray? Would somebody ask? Would somebody call upon my name and I will answer you, he said, and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Amen? Woo! The prayers of the righteous have great power. Great power. Tremendous power. Produce tremendous results. Praise God. Praise God. It's amazing. I, I mentioned this the other night, I think. But it's amazing. That in light of all the promises that we have in the Word of God, that God's people just don't pray like they should pray. Matthew, Jesus said it in Matthew, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Amen? Hallelujah, what a promise. He said, which of you, which of you having a son would ask bread, and you give him a stone? Or if he had asked for uh, a fish, would you give him a serpent? He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give good things, give good things to them that ask Him? Hallelujah. What a promise that is made by the Master Himself to answer our prayers. He said in Mark eleven twenty four the words of Jesus Himself. He said, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. In John 15 and 7, He said, If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Jesus went on in John 16 to say that, that hitherto, up until now, you've asked nothing in My name. But He said to His disciples ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full hallelujah first John John wrote it in first John saying this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will that if we ask anything according to his will that if we ask anything according to his will he heareth us and we know if he hears us we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him oh I'm talking about a man or a woman being prayed up being on talking terms with the Lord being able to take our needs and our concerns and our burdens and our requests to the prayer closet and lay them before the feet of the master and have confidence that he will hear us and that he will answer us. Give us a praying church. Give us a praying church. A, pray, a church that is prayed up and fired up and ready to go up. Hallelujah. Come on. Woo. 
Hallelujah. We're going to probably call some extra prayer meetings before revival of an evening. We might even ask you to fast. Amen. We may ask you to do that. Not going to put any rules or regulations on anything. Amen. But praise God. You know, there's some things Jesus said. Jesus said concerning that one, that, that, that boy with that demon that the disciples couldn't cast out. And they said, why couldn't we cast him out? Why wouldn't he go? Why, 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 where was the power out? And Jesus said, the, this goeth out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. There's times that we just need to add some fasting. Why? Why? Does that twist the arm of God? No, it doesn't twist the arm of God. Does that force the hand of God? No, it doesn't force the hand of God. But one thing it does do, it shows your sincerity with the Lord and it gets you in a place where you can touch God and hear from God a a lot better and a lot easier than you can. You can hear from the Lord a lot easier on an empty stomach than you can when you're filled up and bloated. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. i got to put a caboose on here in a minute. But do you get what I'm saying? He was studied up and he was full of the Word of God. I'm talking about the kind of person God uses. He was studied up. He was filled with the Word of God, not afraid to proclaim the Word, but he was also prayed up. He was a man of prayer. But you, if you like that, you're going to love this one. He was studied up. He was prayed up. Here's another. Here's an important thing about Elijah and about you and me. He was also cleaned up. He was also cleaned up. I said he was also cleaned up. Hallelujah. And James confirms that. Brother Rick, where you get that? James confirms that Elijah was a man that was cleaned up because he said, referring to Elijah being a man of like passions, he said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. A righteous man or woman. The Bible says man. It's a person. It's a male or female. And so don't get hung up on that. You know, we've got, well, they've rewritten the Bible. They've even rewritten the Bible and made it gender neutral. Amen. Come on, give me up. Give me a break. <laughs> Glory to God. He was a righteous man. Elijah was not only a righteous man, Elijah was an outstandingly righteous man. Of all the people in that day in Israel that had had went over to Baal worship, Elijah did not even have the smudge or the not even a single smudge of Baal on him at all. He was one of those that had not bowed his knee to Baal. And he would not compromise one iota with Ahab. 
He was, he was one that didn't go to the ministerial meetings with the prophets of Baal and sat down at the table and negotiate with them. Amen? Oh, come on. He kept his separation from the things of the world. God instructed him to do that. And can I tell you that the Lord has instructed us too to be, to be clean. Can I get an Amen. He's instructed all of us as his servants to be clean who bear the vessels of the Lord. In Isaiah 52 and 11, it says that. uh, Isaiah said it this way. He said, depart ye, speaking to Israel, depart ye from Babylon, is where he was talking about. Depart ye, Babylon, by the way, being a type of the world. Amen. Paul, Paul brings this very same verse over into the New Testament when he says, come out from among them and be separate. But he says, depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence, touch no unclean thing. Go you out of the midst of her. Listen, be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. If we're going to be in service for the Lord and do anything for God as, as a church in our own lives and ministry, if we're, going to, if we're going to touch somebody else for Jesus, if we're going to win our families, if we're going to win our friends, if we're going to be uh, uh, you know, instrumental in winning this community to the Lord, then we're going to have to be separate from the world and be clean. Are you listening to me? I know that's not a popular thing today, and I'm preaching probably to the choir tonight, but it's something we must be continuously reminded of. He said that we are not to touch any unclean thing and be clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. I was studying this today, and I thought about my grandma Hensley, my, my dad's mother. And uh, she died uh, in 1964. So I, I do have some remembrances of her when I was, when I was relatively young. Um, but uh, my grandma, Hensley, I can remember being in her house. And she would always, you know, anytime I was there, she'd always want to fix me something to eat, you know. Uh, you know, that's the way grandmas are. Amen. So she would always get busy to fix me something to eat. And I, I can tell you this, every single time, and she said this any time and every time that she was working around food, that she was preparing a meal, she was fixing something to eat she would always say Ricky now my hands are clean I've washed my hands and my hands are clean she'd let me know that every single time you know why she said that because she had a belief and she felt that the qualification to handle food was and to handle what was coming on the table was that you needed to have clean hands and can I tell you something that I believe tonight that the qualification to handle this precious word and the qualification to give this word to you and to to, to try to feed you the good word of God. I've got to stand up here before you and my hands have got to be clean before the Lord. I can't be out handling the things of the world all week long and then come up and try to handle the precious word of God on Sunday morning. Somebody needs to say amen. Oh, give us some men and women today that'll come out from the world and quit trying to play footsies with the world and quit trying to appease the the world and the sinner and stand up and say we've got to be clean we've got to be pure God's looking for a man God's looking for a woman God's looking for a church that is full of holiness and righteousness washed in the blood of the lamb without spot without blemish without a wrinkle or any such thing that's the church that Jesus is coming back for a holy and a clean church Well, go ahead and give the Lord a praise.
If you and I want God to use us, if we want God to bless us, if we want God to bless Abundant Life Church, then we must be cleaned up. I got a lot I'm going to have to skip over. But the ministry today, the ministry today in this day which we live has been plagued by a shocking number of ministers who are defiled and whose hands and lives are unclean. I, man, you know, divorce is running rampant today, even among the clergy and among pastors. I've known of major TV ministries who have ministers and companions who have divorced, remarried while they were in the ministry and just went right on preaching and staying on TV and collecting people's offerings like nothing ever happened. God's not for that. One couple pastored in Florida. If I called their name, you'd know who I was. She's still, she's still in the ministry. No. But her and her husband, pastoring a pretty thriving church in Florida, said that the Lord told them they needed to separate and get a divorce so they could enlarge their individual ministries. I'm going to tell you something tonight. I know this isn't popular, but can I tell you something tonight? They didn't hear from the Lord. They heard from a demon spirit. They were seduced by a demon spirit. God doesn't tell preachers to do that kind of thing. They divorce, they go their separate ways. She's married to somebody. She's married to a rock star now, still pastoring and still preaching. Can I tell you something? The Bible says we've got to be clean. We've got to have clean hands. Amen? There are so many immoral escapades that are becoming more frequent within the ministry and within the preaching, uh, within preachers' lives. There's lying and stealing and cheating that are found often among ministers as, as, as often as it's found out in the world. World. That should not be. I mentioned it a few Wednesday nights ago. Now, one Pentecostal denomination has said that it's okay for their preachers, their ministers to drink alcohol in moderation. I'm telling you, we've got to have clean hands. We can't handle the filth of the world all through the week and then come and handle the pure, precious Word of God on Sunday. God says, be holy as I am holy. Somebody says, that's illegalism, preacher. Let me tell you. Something. I was raised up and, and come up under some Pentecostal legalism. I know what legalism is and I know what holiness is. And God still says, We gotta be holy. We gotta come out. We gotta be clean if we're gonna bear the vessels of the Lord. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. 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 We may face the attacks of the enemy, we may be despised, we may be ridiculed, we may be unpopular, we may re be rejected by people, but I can tell you one thing, we will have the smile of God and the favor of God and the blessing of God and the anointing of God on our lives and on 
our ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Caboose time. Coming on, caboose. Elijah. God used him because he was prayed up. God used him because he studied up. God used him because he's cleaned up. God used him because he's stirred up. He's stirred up. I'm a little stirred up myself right now. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you get studied up and prayed up and cleaned up, God will make sure you're stirred up and fired up. Woo! Hallelujah. There's an apathy within the church world today. And I think that's the reason for it. Because the apathy is there because of the lack of word, the lack of prayer, the lack of personal holiness within the lives of individuals. So apathy comes in and... And complacency comes in and our lives of lukewarmness comes in. But we've got to stir up. Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is within you. We have got to be a people. We have got to be a people, church, that are that that a people that are on fire with a holy zeal and a boldness for God and for His work in these last days. It's not a time to be complacent and apathetic. It's a time to be stirred up. Elijah was stirred up in his day. He was stirred up about some things. He was stirred up mainly about the sin and the evil that he saw in his day. He saw sin flooding the land. He saw the ungodly. He saw the groves. He saw the worship of Baal. And it stirred him in his spirit. So Elijah gave Ahab a fervent, dynamic message that shook the palace and that shook the nation. My my friend, listen to me tonight, church. We have got to get stirred up about the sin that that is taking over this nation and that is taking over the church. We cannot be silent. Well, they kick us off Facebook whatever they want to do, amen. I hadn't been able to get a live video back on Facebook since I preached against abortion. I don't know what's going on there, but something ain't right somewhere. But I'm going to tell you one thing. Listen to me. I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up about the ungodliness that is in this world today. And it's time for the church to rise up out of their apathy and their lukewarmness and say, we're stirred up today. Amen. Amen. Give us some Elijahs. Give us some men and women full of the Holy Ghost and power. Give us some men and women that, are, that have a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost and have the boldness of God that are bold as a lion to stand and say, we will proclaim the word of the Lord. Woo, hallelujah. Amen. We've got to be stirred up. We've got to be stirred up. Stirred up. Paul was stirred up about the sins that was in Athens. And he spoke out against it. And he was there waiting for his ministry team to come in Athens. It said that, that as Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred within him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Well, unlike Paul and unlike Elijah... The problem seems to be today that many professing Christians can walk down the streets or could walk down the streets of Athens or Chicago or St. Louis or Los Angeles or San Francisco or New Orleans. 
and never be stirred up in the least against the evil and the idolatry that's going on in those cities today. You know what's wrong? reason we're not stirred up about that, but we're not stirred by what we see coming into our living room on television because we've become acclimated to it. We've become apathetic about sin. And so instead of being stirred up by all the evil that's before our eyes, we now sit in our living rooms and admire and enjoy and participate in all that mess. Amen? So much of the apathy exists in the church today that we never get stirred up about sin in our own lives or in the lives of others. It's become accepted in our churches and in our lives. We can sit and watch it on TV by the hour and never be stirred in the slightest because we have become acclimated and used to it. I know this is not a popular message, but we need more preaching like Elijah's preaching to Ahab in our pulpits today. Instead of that soft, weak, compromising message that's going out, we don't need any more tiny Tim's limp-wristed, tiptoeing through the tulips. We need some Elijah's full of the power of God that will cry out in this last day. You notice I didn't say nothing about this being Bible study tonight. Brother Giles told me last week, said don't even talk about Bible study, just preach. Oh, glory. Oh, God, make me an Elijah. Give us some Elijahs today. Oh, God. Elijah took his own life in his hands and walked into that lion's den before Ahab and grabbed him by the grabbed that lion by the beard and gave him the word of God. What a boldness he had, what a courage he had. We've got to have that today. We've got to have that boldness today. We've got to be stirred up and studied up and prayed up and cleaned up. We have got to have revival today. The only hope for the church, the only hope for St. Francis County, the only hope for Missouri, the only hope for the United States, the only hope for the world. We have got to have an old-fashioned, red-hot, true blue, Holy Ghost and fire revival in these last days of Pentecostal move of God. We've got to have it today. We've got to have it today. Don't we? we got to have it today. Malachi 4. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. I believe... I'm not going to go into all of what that verse means. John the Baptist came. He was not Elijah, but he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. That's part of the fulfillment of that prophecy. But also, Elijah, the real Elijah, that was caught up in a chariot of fire and a whirlwind, is coming back during the tribulation to prophesy for three and a half years on the earth and then die his appointed death with Enoch, the other who was caught up. And I believe that, that, that is a prophecy that he will be one of the witnesses. 
But I also believe that there's a layer here that says that in those last days that God is going to raise up some more Elijahs, some more men and some more women in the spirit and in the power of Elijah that will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to their fathers. That's going to, that's going to bring about a reconciliation, a revival. Amen? The kind of, uh, of life that, w- that, 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 that we need to live. We're not going to be the most popular people on the planet. Some pastors have been run out of their churches for preaching messages like this. Some pastors have been voted out by their congregations. Some have been starved out. Some people will leave and go somewhere else because of the stand that we take against sin and for holiness and godliness. But can I tell you something tonight, ladies and gentlemen? Whether we're popular or whether we're not, we had better get started stirred up against sin and we'd better take a stand for God and for the Lord Jesus and for the word and for righteous holy living in the day that we live today. Come hell or high water, come whatever may, we've got to be an Elijah that will stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Give the Lord praise. Stand with me tonight. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lift your hands and praise Him. Lift your hands and praise Him.